Welcome to the Bruce Siski Show. Follow the Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to the Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. 10-11, Wednesday morning, 3rd of January 2024. Bruce Siski Show on KDAL. Good to have you with us this morning as we'll uh, talk some wild here coming up in a little bit and it's the latest on it's become some real injury struggles and it happens to everybody right every team's going to go through this at some point and the wild happen to be going through it uh, with all their top players at about the same time this makes it more difficult but uh, there are no excuses only answers and we'll try to provide some of those coming up a little bit but uh, first yeah it's been snowing i know not much but it's been snowing looking like to be colder tonight it is january um, I thought it would be a good time to fire up the hot stove, talk some baseball. Our good friend from Access Twins, Locked on Twins podcast, is Brandon Warren. Good morning, sir. Hey, how we doing? Uh, we're doing good. How are the holidays? I can't complain. Good. Uh, ready to get going, though. Ready for things to warm up. Ready for days to get longer, too, which is going to be nice. I saw, saw, I saw a meme uh, last night, 39 days until the sun sets at 7 p.m., and I thought, well, okay, that's not too bad. I can wait. I, I, I can wait that out. Yeah, the it, it feels so much further away, but you know what? It'll, we'll take it. It's 7 p.m. Twins game starting. It gets you that vibe going. I'm ready for for the sun to take a little longer to go down at night for sure. Well, we'd like to see it around here a little more often. We've had a lot of clouds the last few weeks around these parts, but I hear you. I, I'm with you on that. more daylight is a good thing. Uh, so as we get we start to get closer and closer to spring training, this has been a very dormant off season for the Twins. Now part of that. I have to think Brandon was somewhat by design. The number of young players that are, you know, team control that whole bit. There was just not going to be a, a ton of big time free agent movement for the Twins, and the the revelation that their budget is going to be what it is in 2024 probably plays a role here as well. Uh, let's react first to that news, and and I, you know, if, if you follow what's been happening with the TV networks and, and and the regional sports bubble bursting, it looks like here, it's probably not a surprise. The Twins are losing out on on you know tens of millions of dollars in television revenue going into 2024. Uh, your thoughts on on the revelation that the, the budget is. The, the payroll is going to come down as a result of that in 2024. I mean, it's a tough time to have it happen. You know, the Twins break through with their first playoff win in nearly 20 years. And, you know, they they are improving. They go out and get a guy like Carlos Correa. And then to find out the budget's going to be cut a little bit or maybe a lot, we don't know. Uh, it, it certainly stinks. But, again, you know, most of the – or many of the teams that we all watch are, are under the issue of uh, – you know, the reshuffling, whatever you want to call it, of Valley Sports North and trying to figure out what television rights look like moving forward. And there's ways to maneuver around that, too. You know, you can structure contracts that are a little less upfront and a little bigger on the backside. But I think still, until you have any sort of idea what that's going to look like in the future, it's going to cause kind of a freezing of the middle-ish class in MLB, and that's pretty squarely where the Twins are, you know, so they... They have some very specific needs. They have some very specific budgetary constraints, at least as far as we understand. And so I think it's just kind of waiting for that dance to all shake out. But like you said, you know, 39 days until sunsets after 7 o'clock, 
we're rapidly approaching spring training, and so things are going to start happening soon if they're going to happen at all. We've seen the you know, Shohei Otani get signed. We've seen you know, the Dodgers very active on, on the market. Aaron Nola stays in Philly. Sonny Gray goes to St. Louis. We've seen some, some big-time free agents move. We've seen a lot of what you would make me maybe label middle-class free agents that haven't moved. There's a lot of, of names of established major leaguers that don't want to quit playing baseball who are out there that are free agents. Why is it, do you think, in baseball, this is not a new thing, that it's taking so long for a lot of this to settle itself? I think it's easy to identify the high-priced talent and the low-priced talent. And by low price, I mean, you know, just the guys who get one-year deals towards the end of their career, and then guys who are under club control. That middle group is always kind of a fluid situation. You know, we talk about how much a win costs in baseball, uh, in kind of a, a geeky side of things. But that middle class gets kind of uh, worked over. You know, again, the elite players, their value is obvious. You see it every day. I mean, everybody knows Shohei Otani is going to be a great player. It's just a matter of if he's going to pitch and if he's going to do anything else. But, you know, someone like, let's just say Eduardo Escobar, uh, you know, an immaculate grid answer for both the, the Twins and Brewers. Um, you know, nobody really knows what he's got left. He's had some really great seasons, coming up a tough one. He's of a certain age where things start to, you know, slip a little bit. But every one of the middle-tier type free agents has question marks. Reese Hoskins coming off an ACL. Um, you know, you can the list goes on. I mean, anybody else that is available right now has at least one question mark that'll make teams say, hey, you know, we'll, we'll be happy to have you, but we're going to pay a specific price. And right now those prices haven't calmed down enough for, for teams like the Twins to jump into the fray. Brandon Warren, the Locked on Twins podcast, Access Twins, our guest. We talked to baseball here in the offseason. So uh, the Twins lose Sonny Gray. He goes to St. Louis three times 25. That's an offer the Twins were not going to match, and nor should they. Kenta Maeda goes to Detroit. They lose him as well in free agency. And it doesn't look like they're – if they're going to pick somebody up, it's going to be a middle to lower tier free agent, maybe a minor league you – know, a veteran on a minor league deal, a spring training invite type of thing, and, and take a flyer on a guy. Are there some names out there that interest you, Brandon, that are still available that you think the Twins should take a look at for spring training? Uh, as far as that back end sort of thing? Yes. Um, I mean, Carlos Carrasco is kind of one I keep coming back to. you got the Cleveland Fetter – with Derek Falvey, you have the Twins have never been shy at doing, you know, grabbing a player like that. They did it with Anibal Sanchez a few years ago, and he didn't make the team, but he ended up actually going elsewhere and having a really nice season. So it's not as though they're opposed to that. Uh, Matthew Boyd is another guy I really like. Lefty from uh, he played for Detroit, uh, went to Seattle for a year, came back. He's had some arm issues, but when he's right, he is a very very solid lefty. I think they still though. The most noise they're going to make is in a trade. But if uh, there, there's still plenty of veterans, Alex Wood on the back end, Spencer Turnbull, a few different guys that I like just for different reasons, but more along the lines of one year at a lot less money than someone like Frankie Montas, who I also liked but would not have given $16 million to for one year. Obviously, you're, you're, you're trying, if you're doing this, you're trying to find lightning in a bottle. You're trying to the Brewers did last year with Julio Tehran, a guy that nobody else wanted. He's, he's not even really all that, you know, putting up great numbers in the minor leagues, but the Brewers take a chance on him, and he probably saved their season at the midpoint because they had so many starters down, and he gave them some quality starts and quality innings. But those guys, Brandon, they're not easy to find, and they don't often last all that long. 
No, I mean, the, the allure of someone who has pitched in those games and has been in those battles is certainly a, appealing. But at some time or at some point, your skills just don't match your experience anymore. And, you know, I like Zach Greinke might be at that spot right now. I, I wondered if, you know, I wondered if he would be of interest. But, I mean, he just, he, he's, he's just got not that much stuff left. He's a very smart pitcher, very cerebral, and uh, can outthink you on the mound. But I just don't know if he execute enough to keep pitching at even a reasonably high level. Realistically, Brandon, what kind of you know what players do you think the Twins could trade off this roster that could net them the pitching that they're looking for? That's hard. I mean, if you trade Jorge Polanco and get a number three starter, have you really moved the needle that much? Um, you know, because right now I don't know who starts Game Two for you in a playoff series. You know, does Joe Ryan have enough? fastball and add a breaking ball or work on a breaking ball that keeps people off that fastball. Um, what Chris Paddock are they going to get? Bailey Ober, um, you know, the, the durability or staying in games longer would be nice to see from him. But they've got question marks. So to trade from this active roster is going to be tough. Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco, all are, I would say, options. But I think it's going to come down to probably – creating some prospects that some fans are pretty attached to if they're going to land someone, uh, you know, if they're going to recreate the Pablo Lopez trade over again this offseason. Brandon Warren, our guest from the Locked on Twins podcast, Access Twins as well. Uh, Codify Baseball, which is one of my favorite follows actually on, on, the, uh, on the X app at this point, uh, had one yesterday. Uh, times that a starting pitcher threw 100 or more pitches in 2023 and the twins are at 26 out of 162 which doesn't sound like all that many but it puts the twins barely outside yeah just outside the top 10 amongst all 30 teams in major league baseball the white Sox at 50 number one and the brewers who had all those established starters way down at 21 uh, total starts out of 162 with a starter through 100-plus pitches. So the Twins are right there near the top of that pack. Does that surprise you, uh, given all the belly aching we hear about pulling starters too early in games? I mean, since I followed it, and I kind of monitor that belly aching because it's, a lot of it's directed at me, <laughs> I'm not that surprised. But I think you know it goes back to the, the whole point, though, of if the Twins have pitchers you can keep out there that long, they're willing to do that. It, the, the Dylan Buddies, Chris Archers, Matt Shoemakers of the world are not guys who, you know, if they're trucking through five innings at 100 pitches or at 98 pitches, you're not running them back out there. And that's because in five innings, if you've thrown that many pitches, chances are you had to get by, uh, you know, with a little uh, smoke and mirrors. So we'll see. You know, I, I think it, it'll continue to go the way of if pitchers are capable of getting those outs, and, and show that they are, um, they'll get a little more length in games. I mean, Sonny Gray openly wanted to pitch longer in games, but there were times where he was permitted to, and it didn't go well. So, uh, you know, if, if Chris Paddock comes out and pitches like Sonny Gray, I think they will more than be happy to let him go a lot further, um, again, pending his health. Right. So if you have good pitchers, it, it should allow you to go deeper in games, but – you're not doing that with Chris Archer, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you find another, I mentioned Julio Tehran earlier, who had a 98 ERA plus last year for the Brewers in, in 11 starts, which is pretty solid. But if you're yep. letting him go seven innings and throw 105 pitches every start, he's not going to give you a 98 ERA plus. It's going to drop that number down to the 80s. Well, not only that, but you just you play with fire too long, and yep. 
you know, you got to put players in spots to succeed. It's like if you've got a guy who doesn't hit righties all that well, you just, you know, you can still let him face them. It's just not a steady diet or 75% of his playoffs. You have to put guys in spots where they can succeed and go from there. You know, let a player show you what they can do and then in, increase their reps, increase their all that. Um, you know, with uh, Julio Tehran, it was just kind of uh, lightning in a bottle, see what happens. And it's really hard to find a veteran off the street who can give you league average production for that much time. It just it just is. Uh, by the way, a couple more for Brandon Warren here. We talk some uh, off-season baseball. Uh, Twins Caravan later on this month. Be listening for more details on that as we get closer to that event at the end of January here in town. Uh, so speaking of belly aching, let's just get this one out of the way as well. Uh, we are a couple of weeks away now, a little more than a couple of weeks away from finding out the Hall of Baseball Hall of Fame class of 2024. At this point in time, I, I think you could – argue it's probably better than 50-50 that Joe Maurer is a part of that Hall of Fame class of 2024. And if you look outside the state of Minnesota, Brandon, I I think this one's almost, I don't say obvious, but people are like, oh, Joe Maurer, okay, that makes sense. In Minnesota, maybe it's just the social media bubble, but it it doesn't seem to matter where I go or what I do. When that name comes up, People are like, he's in the Hall of Fame? What, really? Why yeah. is there this disconnect with when it, when it comes to Joe Maurer? Well, I think there's a lot of things at play here. He made – the biggest thing, I think, is the money. But he made things look easy to the point where I think people convinced themselves he wasn't trying that hard. And so then he wasn't trying that hard to come back from injuries. The injuries weren't that serious. And I think, too, there is some aspect of, you know, never played in a playoff victory in a game. You know, there's some of that. But mostly it's it's a lot of, like, internalized self-loathing from Minnesota fans. You know, if you are going to have a hobby that makes you miserable, why even bother? And if talking about Joe Maurer's career, you know, one of the best number one overall picks in the sport of all time, if that makes you miserable, I don't really understand the point of it. Uh, he had a terrific career, terrific ambassador for the game, Never hear a square. Uh, you never hear a, a, a bad word about him from anybody you talk to. He is the epitome of class and the epitome of a Hall of Famer. And for some reason, I just don't think Twins fans or Minnesota fans are ready to embrace that yet. And hopefully, they will before that hot day in Cooperstown this summer. Yeah, because I, I think at this point, well, it's inevitable. He's getting in. Whether it happens in 2024 or later, it's going to happen. But it does seem yep. like we're, we're, in a, we're in a spot here. And I know the Hall of Fame track, Ryan Thibodeau, who runs the Hall of Fame tracker, says the numbers are always a little lower in the final votes than what we see in, in what's made available to the public before the votes are revealed. And right now, Maurer's at 82%. So you, the odds are that number's going to come down. But it, it's not going to come down far enough that Joe Maurer's not inevitably going to get in, whether it be in 2025 or 2026 or somewhere down the line here, but there's a chance he becomes the third catcher ever to make it in on the first ballot, which is a pretty special thing. Yeah, uh, year over year, the trends that they see uh, players who get to a certain percentage in a certain year, like if you're in your first year, you're at, I think it's like 40% or something, there's a good chance you'll eventually get there. So, uh, yeah, the, the writing is on the wall that Joe's going to make it, and then it looks like this class could run as deep as, I think, three. There are a couple on the edge, but you know, what an, what an honor to be inducted with Adrian Beltre, who a lot of people wished would have been unanimous. Again, another universally beloved player who, uh, without a doubt, was a Hall of Famer. So it would be a fun class to be a part of, and I'm, I'm eagerly anticipating the announcement 
that Joe is part of it. And I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. And I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure if you hit 50 on your first ballot, no one has ever not gotten in after getting to 50 on their first. So if he gets to 50, it, it is a foregone conclusion. And like you said, 40, it's basically a foregone conclusion. To, to get to 50 at this point and stay at 50 and, and just be 50%, Joe would have to appear on something 30-something percent of remaining ballots. Yeah. So, I mean... It, the writing is on the wall. You don't have to like it. You don't have to love it. But Joe Maurer someday will be giving, hopefully not too boring of a speech <laughs> in Cooperstown. Let's be honest. I mean, you know what? He's probably going to rip off something. Um, and I don't mean rip off copy, but rip off just an incredible, iconic speech from this guy that we never, ever heard that much from. It would be so funny if he did that. I was thinking he's going to go up there and turn, it, turn to the euchre and do a shtick the whole time. Perfect. I you know what? He could do Rodney Dangerfield. I get no respect, and I would still eat it up. <laughs> I would Brent. love it. Hey, uh, yeah, I get no respect. I like that. Brandon, how do people find your work? Uh, go to accesstwins.substack.com or look up Locked on Twins wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. There you go, Brandon. Thank you. Enjoy it. Be good. All right, Brandon Warren, Access Twins, Locked on Twins podcast, one of our uh, regular baseball minds. On the radio show, a little hot stove here in early January. Why not? Again, Twins Caravan into the month. We'll have in more details as the month goes on on that event down at the Garden. 1028, more to come. Bruce Siski Show, Wednesday morning edition, 610, 103.9 KDAL. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. The University of Minnesota women's basketball team will host Maryland tonight at Williams Arena at 7 o'clock. We'll have a preview next. We are professionals. We are family and friends. We are volunteers. We are community partners. We are a team dedicated to helping you succeed. We help protect and serve America's businesses. When you need us, we're here to help. At Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. Rated A-plus superior by AM Best Company. Golden Gopher sophomore point guard Amaya Battle of Hopkins says they're happy with being 11-2 on the season and ready for the visiting Terps tonight. I'm really excited. I mean, we're entering conference play. Conference play is always super fun, and it's the new year. So just excited to see what our team can do against other Big Ten teams. What do you take or learn from the game last weekend down in Iowa City? I mean, we can take – Iowa's a great team. We can take all the things they do, their intensity, their pace, um, how they pay attention to detail. There's so many things you can take away from a great team like Iowa. And then as you look ahead now, as you mentioned, this excitement of, of uh, resuming Big Ten play, Maryland coming to town here this week. What do you see from them, and what do you remember about them last year? I know there's different rosters really for both teams, but what kind of things stylistically do they do, and what will the key be for you guys? Um, they're super athletic. Uh, they run very fast, or their pace is really fast, super aggressive on both ends of the floor. So we just have to make sure we do the little things right, be fundamentally sound, and um, maintain their pressure like being poison under their pressure. That's Golden Gopher point guard Amaya Battle of Hopkins. There are tickets still remaining for tonight's game at gophersports.com. Maryland enters the contest with a 9-4 and record. That's the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. AM 610, KDAL, News, Weather, Sports. 1034 is our time. Clouds outside. Talk some wild coming up, run through some headlines. Sets you up with the rest of the week on the radio show, which will be busy as we continue on this Wednesday. 
Brusiski Show, sponsored by Sanju. Sanju Two Harbors. Sanju Polaris. Sanju.com. 1035 CBS News next on KDAL. The Brusiski Show. Oh, God. Ron, where's my legs? Where are my legs? Y- your legs are there. I don't have any legs, Ron. I don't even know how I'm standing up. No. Brick, your legs are fine. The color of your pants just just matches the... Ron, I don't have any legs. The chroma key behind you. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> On 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. 1041 on a Wednesday. Tomorrow, Alan Horton, Timberwolves Radio Network. Get him back for the first time since before the holidays, and we'll chat Timberwolves and some inefficient play here as of late. They have not been as sharp. Chris Finch called them out after a win last week, and to be honest, things haven't gotten a whole lot better. They got the Pelicans tonight at Target Center. Coverage at 6.45 here on KDL. Recap with Alan tomorrow morning before they hit the road uh, this weekend. So uh, that's coming up tomorrow. Also, Minnesota Wilderness coach Colton St. Clair. They came off their holiday break, got swept at home last weekend, but they're home again this week with Anchorage in town Friday and Saturday in Cloquet. And we'll talk about that with the head coach tomorrow. Uh, Friday, I will not be here, but uh, we'll have some uh, conversations that we record with St. Thomas men's hockey coach Rico Blasi. And UMD men's hockey captain Luke Lohite, both those getting taped today. You'll hear them on the radio show Friday. Then we'll be at what is a sold-out St. Thomas Ice Arena in Mendota Heights on Saturday. Coverage at 345, 4 o'clock game exhibition, UMD versus St. Thomas as both teams uh, getting back off the break last weekend, but they had an open weekend and decided to do an exhibition game. Uh, of course, relatively new rule allowing Division One teams to play exhibition games against one another. Uh, the Bulldogs hosted St. Thomas last season on New Year's Eve, and they'll be in Mendota Heights coming up on Saturday. We'll be there as well here on KDAL. Uh, the Wild are in a tough spot right now. So we talked about the injuries a bit with Pat on the radio show yesterday. Pat Micheletti, you can podcast it at KDAL610.com. And I am, as you know, I will not be afraid to make the occasional excuse. Coaches are not going to do that. That's my job. Our job here is to deliver, you know, the realities of what's going on. And sometimes those realities sound like excuses. But there's a a stark difference between excuses and reality. Excuses is, well, if the ref just called that penalty, that's kind of an excuse. You had other opportunities you could have made plays and, and done things differently. And, yeah, you can get mad at the ref, but he's not the reason you lost. And the reality is when you have a, a league like the NHL with an 82, whatever it is, million-dollar salary cap, and 52% of that salary cap is uh, spent on players that are not playing for you, mostly because of injuries, there are some realities that come into play here. The Wild had three AHL forwards. And I no disrespect to Nick Patan or Jake Lucchini or Sam Walker. Sammy Walker, the ex-golfer. They're all good players. They're, they're where they are for a reason. They have a value to the Wild organization. They are AHL players. If the Wild are remotely close to full health, those three guys are playing in Iowa. And they might be amongst your captains in Iowa. That's that's reality. 
Now they're you're expecting them to walk into the NHL. You you put Nick Patan on the second line last night. You expect him to do the things that Kirill Kaprizov and and Matt Boldy and and Marcus Johansson are normally doing in the top six, because Kaprizov is right now not available, and Matt Zuccarello right now is not available. So Nick Patan's playing in your top six. What do you expect's going to happen in that scenario? It's probably not going to go well, and it didn't for the Wild last night. Three one loss to Calgary. Yeah, but there are, as I said earlier, there are, you know, in some respects, there are no excuses. There's only answers. And the answer here for the Wild is got to find a way. It sounds generic and cliche and all that. They have no choice because, yes, they've got a bye week in the second half of the season. It ain't for a while. And most of these injured players will be back by then. They play tomorrow night against Tampa. Then they go to Columbus on Saturday, and Columbus has been playing better. They got back-to-back games against Dallas to kick off next week. Then they got Philadelphia, who's been awesome so far this year, certainly much ahead of expectations. Then they got Arizona next weekend, also far ahead of expectations this year. They turn around and play the Islanders. Then they got the Lightning again. They got the Panthers, who are good. They got the Hurricanes, who are really good. They got an improving Capitals team. They got the Predators who've been solid. You know, it, it doesn't end. January 27th, the Wild take on the Anaheim Ducks on Hockey Day, Minnesota. And then they have their bye. They won't play again until February 7th. That's a long way. That's a lot of hockey to be played between now and that bye around the All-Star break. And if to me, it, it, the answer's got to have to come from within. The Wild aren't making any trades. And bringing a you know high priced talent in. That's just the reality of the salary cap, the situation they're in right now. The answer has to come from within. You know, whether it be Matt Boldy elevates his game or Jewel Erickson Eck, who's been phenomenal, elevates his game even further. Somebody has to. They don't have a choice. Or they're gonna keep losing. Because what they had last night was a lot of effort. Yeah, but they don't have anybody that can finish around the net while they're putting forth all this effort. And we saw the Wild Out shoot to Calgary 16-2 to over the first part of the third period last night. They got them nothing. And eventually they ran out of gas, and Calgary controlled the last few minutes, got the empty net goal to clinch it, and they win 3-1. It just, yeah, that's, it, it's, again, sounds cliche, I get it, but you know, other teams see you struggling, they're going to throw you a raft, they're going to throw you both ends of a rope. I had a coach tell me that once. I looked at him like, I mean, it kind of works to think about it. Because that's reality. It doesn't matter what sport it is. If you see a team struggling, if, you, if, you're, if you're in the NBA, you're playing the Pistons, who lost, you know, they lost 28 games in a row until last week. You see that on your schedule, your thought isn't, oh, we're going to you know, go in there and you know, we'll, we'll play nice. No, your thought is go in there and get a win. You're not going to throw them – a life raft, you're going to throw them both ends of a rope. Let them figure it out themselves. That's sports. So, yeah, the answer's got to come from within for the wild, and I don't know what that is. And it feels very similar to what UMD's gone through to a, maybe a little bit you know, greater extent because of the, the, the number of injuries the wild have incurred. But, of course, the UMD situation is there is no Iowa. 
that doesn't exist. They don't have a farm team they can call players up from. The, the roster is the roster. And for the Bulldogs, you know, they lose their top-line center five periods into the season. Now you got to reinvent things a little bit. Now you, you know, you got to try something different stuff that we maybe weren't planning on trying. Some of it's worked. Some of it has, frankly, not been that great. But you've got to find other ways to improve. It is what it is. The ro- the team is the team. You know, you're not going to turn, uh, you know, Jack Smith and the Dominic James. They're different people. They're different players, and they're brought here for different reasons. So it's not as simple. And then while they're kind of going through that, you're not going to turn Nick Patan into Matt Zuccarello or Kirill Kaprizov. You're not going to turn Jake Lucchini into Matt Zuccarello or Kirill Kaprizov. You know, Dakota Mermis isn't going to be Jer- uh, Jonas Brodeen. You know, Damon Hunt wasn't going to be Jared Spurgeon. Hey, these, these are realities that you have to deal with. But now you got to reinvent a little bit. you got to play a little different. You know, for the Wild, they're missing a lot of firepower up front. Their best players out of the lineup. Guess what? You got to play a little different. You know, you, you got to maybe grind teams down a little more than you had because you can't count on Kirill Kaprizov to bail you out when you get a power play. It's very similar in that regard. But the difference is that for UMD, when guys go down, you lose Cole Spicer for the second half, you're missing Will Francis in the first half, you don't have an Iowa to go get a player from. You have to deal with what you have. And we'll see how that looks as the second half goes on for the Bulldogs. But for the, the Wild, they, they, again, they got to find a way through this. No one's going to figure it out for them. So we'll see what John Hines has up his sleeve as the Wild host the Lightning, who, by the way, also are struggling. Certainly maybe a little higher expectations there. A couple of Stanley Cups in a row they played in the final in 2022. Last year lost in the first round. And this year... It's serious threat to not make the playoffs at all. These things happen. The two desperate teams looking for points tomorrow night in St. Paul. Wild V Lightning, 7 o'clock over on AM 710. Thank you, Sanju. Sanju Polaris. Sanju.com where the cars are. Ryan Phelps standing by prep update. Then we wrap things up on a Wednesday. Bruce Siski Show, 610-103.9 KDAL. Coast to coast. They're right there in front of us. They don't see them. Late nights on KDAL. 10.59. More light snow falling here downtown. Again, as Hunter said, not expecting a whole lot in terms of accumulation. Might be a little more with that system coming in for the weekend. More on that to come as we work our way to tomorrow. Also tomorrow, Alan Horton, Timberwolves Radio Network. We'll talk about tonight's game against New Orleans. You'll hear it here on KDAL at 7. And Minnesota Wilderness head coach Colton St. Clair with us tomorrow as well. Brad and Kenny for sound off after the news. Have a great day. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No, yes, no, well, no, I, I crossed my mind. Visit KDAL610.com to podcast today's show anytime. What'd you say? Listen to shows on demand and download for free. You can also subscribe via Spotify or your favorite podcast app. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. CBS News is up next. For more than 80 years, KDAL 103.9, W28FBFF, and 610 KDAL Delusive Superior, a Midwest communication station. KDAL.